Well, this is about the gas explosion. And uh, I was just thinking this week about defining moments in just my lifetime's history, which is getting longer and longer. Uh, that what I remember most that affected so many people was the 1957 flood and the gas explosion, even though I didn't live here then. And um, <clears throat> I was in Indiana, but it was on a Saturday. I remember it was on a Saturday. And I came home from playing cards. I've been out playing cards. But, and I got home about 11 o'clock, and I just happened to turn on the TV, and the news was on. And it's, I thought it said Beattyville, Kentucky. But, I mean, you don't hear Beattyville, Kentucky on national news too often. So I thought, I know he said Beattyville, Kentucky. So um, I kept waiting around for him to repeat it, and they didn't. So I called my Uncle Emmett, and of course he wasn't there at the time, but my Aunt Ruth answered, and that's when she told me about it. So, you know, I thought at the time, of course you want to know who was in it, who was hurt, who died and everything. But I think that as far as affecting a lot of people, that explosion had to affect a lot of people. You take a community that is three, how many is in this community, uh, Lee County? How many what? How many, what's the population of Lee County? Oh, uh, usually around 7,800. But you take 10 people, I mean, seven people that are killed. That affects a lot. Well, you know, there was a little more girls. Their mother was killed in that explosion. James Moore's wife was killed. She was a girl. Well, her and two little girls, Beverly and Vicky. And I saw that little, the one that uh, is at Boomer Nursing Home. You let me know what she's up to, too. I've got all the pictures and color. Oh, do you? Well, there's one here that has all the obituaries on. This one right here has. Oh, well, that's it, yeah. Kentucky Dead. Now, this was on. Uh, but now, in going, reading all of this stuff today, um, I did not know that the driver's brakes did not fail. Did you all know that? You know, he said his brakes failed, but it says he's fired after that because they discovered that his brakes really didn't fail. You know, I don't know. I think he just misjudged that hill and he just come over too fast. Couldn't hold it once he started down to be able to load on that. And then when he hit that railroad track, he just lost control of it. And there was a train that came along right close to it. Some thought that the train may have hit the truck right I couldn't tell you. I missed the whole line. Where well, were you? At the time? On the lake at Natural Bridge, right up and up around the lake, catching a bunch of crappie. And my dad and I were up there. I ended up working down those days, but we'd gone to the lake that day and we were fishing. I didn't know anything about it until the after it was with me. Sam was working over at Shell. Nobody had to say old phone in those days. And he said he heard this noise and went out to see what it was outside. And he heard this noise and, and looked and it was that truck coming over the hill making so much noise. And then he heard it and he wasn't sure if the train was headed or 
But anyway, then she saw the explosion, and he had was to clean up later than that night. I gave Bob a list of stuff to get at the IGA before he came home. He him and his dad went fishing, and was I guess I was listening to Four Drake's radio station, and they started talking about it. And you know I didn't know if he had quit fishing and was in town or what, so it was nerve wracking until he finally did get home. And for some reason or other, they went to camping instead of going to Babel that day. Well, you know, last week or one time, you talked briefly about the set, the group of people that build houses over their graves. Is that a particular church or? No. No, it's, uh, I can hold it down to two or three different families, but it's not any particular church sector or anything. The fellow at the Big Andy Ridge is named after Big Andy Spencer. Supposedly built those out in our family cemetery after others four. They're made to look more like houses. Uh, the ones over at Hollinsville are pyramided. And uh, then uh, over uh, at Bethany, there was 40 in the cemetery over there. And that black loggers tore them all pieces. It scattered all the place over there. And then there's one. There's two cemeteries in a hollow field that got those pyramided things over there, and uh, one of them's got five graves and one's got 23. But the, the one grave that's got the name on it, it's a 23 grave, was Big Andy Spencer's ex-mother-in-law. So I know that, hmm. so there was a connection between the things. He's going back in 1700 something. And then there's one at Booth Ridge is entirely different from the rest of them. Booth Ridge, that's one I've seen. William Carroll's in that, it had a pocket, had a little stone up on the top of it. Now the ones on the Big Andy Ridge had that same pocket to put the stones in, but we've never found them. But if they were marked, they fell off and they're buried in the grass or somewhere under there, you know. Well now, you know about the Malugians, I think I'm yeah. saying that right. They wouldn't be... Malugians and Malugians, yeah, something like that. Kind of. I don't know. You'll guess good as mine. Well, who printed that in New Orleans? Well, that's New Orleans. It was a half to because you dug down a foot, you was in the ocean, so the Gulf of Mexico. But do you know that between the, the War of 1812 and now, the New Orleans has moved in, they said, I think 50, 65 miles in from where it was now, where Delta was built up down And just an interesting fact, you run into all sorts of those things as life goes on. But in the War of 18 and 12, upward to 75 or 80 percent of the casualties in that war was from Kentucky. Kentucky carried the weight of that war. And with Andrew Jackson's troops and with Perry up in the Great Lakes all up there. But that, that's really unusual for a major war there. Kentucky had 75 percent. <coughs> 75 to 80% of the casualties. And I could lose the crop a little reading these papers, couldn't you? Huh? You could lose your crop a little reading these papers. <laughs> I love to read all these papers. Newspapers were never made out of good quality paper. They, yeah. they crumble real bad. I've got a lot of old, old papers. You have to handle them real gently. Mm -hmm. I got off aggravated a while ago. I had a 1961 uh, yearbook that someone had donated to the museum. It looked like a brand new one. I don't think it ever been opened once or twice. But that's the year I graduated. I had a couple there already. But 
I opened that thing up. It broke the back on it the first time I opened it. It just it was so old, you know, even though it looked brand new, it just broke the back on it when it opened it. Well, you know, on the way to uh, Irvin, on Irvin Road, I guess it, Crystal, uh, there used to be a little log cabin on the right. Do y'all remember that? Yeah, up kind of hard there. Well, you, I'm trying to think. You kind of pass where that house is burned now there at Crystal, and it's on down, and it's set back. And the daffodils bloom there every year now, I notice. But that house was abandoned. It was a little log house. Of course, I am always intrigued by abandoned houses. And so one day I stopped there, it was in the winter. I don't do abandoned houses when snakes are out. But so I go into this house and I go up the little steps to upstairs and there were boxes of old newspapers, local newspapers, they went back. So I somehow got those down and put them in my car. Now this is while I was living in Indiana and I was just down here visiting and I took them back to my mom's house who said you should not don't be bringing those mouse and there was a lot of mouse you know whatever and she said don't be bringing those in here and I said well mom it's history you know whenever if I have time I want to go to it and they were from like 1930s and 40s they weren't ancient but you know at that time in my life the 30s were ancient <laughs> but uh so I went through some of them and actually found one from 1946 when I was born with uh, birth announcements, you know. But they went back further than that. And I just left them at my mom's house. I cleaned out as much of the mouse poop as I could. And so I mentioned it to her on the phone. She said, I threw those things away. She said, I said, it made me so mad because I really wanted to go through all of those newspapers. It's it's fascinating to sit and go through those, but she threw them away because she didn't want that mice poop in the house. I'm going to try to fix a, a reading area up at the museum. I've got several volumes of old Lee County newspapers. Now, the Enterprise is not getting in the big spot with the Enterprise. They claim to have been in business for 136 years nonstop. They were taking credit for the Three Forks Enterprise, the Babyville News, and half a dozen other newspapers. But if you believe the bicentennial history that Lily Kincaid and Company went out, Lee County went for periods of several years without a newspaper period. Now, that's what it says in there right now. Her, in fact, her dad revived the paper after it had been closed several years. That's what the thing says in there. But now, I've got volumes of the Babyville News that date back about 1907, back to about 1899 or something. They're a hardback version. See, I send a copy of my paper every week to Georgia, and they bind that in the end year volume, or sometimes a half year, you know, and we have them in a big uh, reference book there type thing. And I've got some uh, old Enterprise that I bought at the flea market. Somebody had uh, sold them, but now the Enterprise well, their first edition, supposedly, according to the history of the name, was 1906. Mm -hmm. And uh, there is uh, some volumes of it. There's some volumes of the Kentucky, or not Kentucky, but the Babyville News. And there was one more. And I've got one copy 
a newspaper that's printed saying help. I've got a lot of uh, papers down there that are just uh, just sheets out of the paper, and they're they're uh, wrapped in plastic, so you can read. You could and I've now people have given me bags full of paper bags full of newspapers. You pick them up, they're there. Yeah. You wouldn't make a good birthday then, because it's not a good quality paper. The paper right now that newspapers are made out of is better paper than anything they, they've ever had in the past. It was just pulp type stuff. Okay, pea vine. I run across that very often. Williams. Yeah. What tell us B. about B. that? Williams J. or J. W. F. Williams. John William Frederick yeah. Williams. And uh, my husband bought the property that he had lived on about 1951 or 52. That's when he bought it. And they lived in an old log house that was down over the hill from where we built the house. And Bob Williams, his son, lived there. He was, um, he never married. And um, he had a horse that he rented out to, for people to plow, but you had to hire somebody to plow and then you had to feed him. So it was an expensive day to play with this horse. But anyway, he lived there until he went blind, and then he went to live with his brother, Laurel. But anyway, this old house was left down there, and we didn't bother it because as long as he lived, according to our deed, uh, it belonged to Bob, and he had access to the spring to get water. But after he left, he went blind and went to live with Laurel. Um, it was empty, and um, there were some people that was kind of checking around in it to step out of it. And Ronald Lee, that was Otis's nephew, went down there, and he got some old books and a, a couple of old um, scrapbooks that he had made, this J.W.F. Williams had made using an old uh, kind of encyclopedia, and he cut out about every third page, and then he glued his clips from the newspaper in this book. And there's clippings from newspapers, 1898. That must be worth it, uh, Shaffer got yeah. that habit because he used everything from catalogs to novels that he painted yeah. his well, anyway, story about. That's where the P vine, he wrote the P vine, the street up there at Williams did. And um, we had the copy, and I took it to uh, Chuck, and he took some writings out of it he put in once in a while. You'd see something from one of the old newspapers. Uh, but that book, Chuck has it down at the Enterprise office. And I told him that it was mine, but I would leave it down there for him to look at. So if you're interested in the dates on the, on the Enterprise, it goes back to 1898. Now, J.W.F. Williams had uh, three boys. One went to Montana, and he had Bob and Laurel. Neither of them had any children. And the one that went to Montana had a daughter, and that was it. They were gone. The only one who's related to them now is Mom Lee and Doug Nolan, and their grandmother was a sister to J.W.F. Hmm. Now, William is buried out there in that cemetery out there at E.D. Ashcraft, family cemetery. I, I, I went out there, let's see, that uh, 
Patsy Borgman area or something or all that. They had uh, done something. I think maybe they might have even got him a headstone or something or a new headstone. But I went out there with Eddie and did a little story on it once way back there when I first started the paper back in the uh, early 90s there. Well, I started in the late 80s, but it was the early 90s there. They had some kind of a, I think it might have been the DAR or somebody had a little ceremony out there and uh, put an excuse on that, clean up part of the graveyard off over in the corner and all that, but it, it's not right where Eddie was living when he did, but it's back this side of there. You go up far around reading cemetery up on the right there. Archive Cemetery. Yeah. Well, that's your territory of that, right? On Fairground Ridge? I've been out there a whole lot, yeah. Uncle Glenn lives out there. His territory is Blaine's Branch. Uh, oh, he, yeah, he says he's moving back to Blaine's Branch. Well, he's got smart here in his own. <laughs> <laughs> they say if you ever get a drink of that black branch water, you'll always be there. <laughs> I go to Blaine's Branch every month, week or two, we'll drive up to there. The dogs bark at me and all that. Reva, is that, that cabin where he lives? Was it behind where Dan and Mama lived? Yeah, well, oh, okay. Oh. Is the chimney still standing? I don't know. I, I think it is. I mean, it, you go all the way down, there was like a flat area. Yeah. That chimney's still standing to that end. Oh, well, that's interesting. I always wondered when I hiked down in there who lived where that chimney was. Yeah. I, think <laughs> I think at one time the road went down that hill next to Dan's. And went down that way and on down through, well, that would have been the upper reaches of Lower Creek. I mean, if you follow that, that hollow, then mm -hmm. it would come out down Lower Creek. I guess that's why they lived down there because it was close, there was a good spring there. Hmm. This was before there was a road up on the beach where we lived. Now, that cabin you was talking about, was it right after you passed? The cathedral domain road right there on the right. Mm -hmm. You used um, to have a huge big pine tree right next to it. They told me that years ago that there was an old lady named, he called her Granny Gold, lived there. Yeah, she was supposed she to be did. a great granddaughter of Daniel Boone or something. Yeah, that effect. But yes. I don't believe you're thinking of the same cabin. Maybe not. The one that Miss no. Gold lived there was a little. Well, this was, was a little cabin. Oh, I'm not talking about the one way out on Highway 52, down at Crystal. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, she was a goat. She walked along the ditch lines and picked up pot bottles all the time. I can remember seeing her walk to town with a hen under her arm. Uh -huh. She'd walk to town and sell a hen. Sell what? A hen. Chicken hen. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and she had some of the smartest grandchildren. They were in school when I was. And horns, the children were horns. Well, I bet she's buried in that uh, Go Cemetery then because it's called the Horn Cemetery at Go slash Horn. Caleb Horn's buried there. You know Caleb Horn? y'all ever know Caleb Horn? Yeah, yeah, I do, I do. Yeah, well, I met him like um, my daddy Dan Mace took me, uh, he'd always take me on these excursions out on back roads. And one day we went out old landing. We just kept going. And you got to the top of the hill, and then you went straight down, and he lived in a little shack down there. And I really liked this guy, so every time I would come and visit Kentucky for holidays, 
I would always take, we would at Thanksgiving or Christmas, weather permitting, take a meal down to him. And then I would always ask about him, and eventually he passed away. I tell you what, he fell over his cat. He liked cats. He fell over his cat, broke his hip, and that was, he didn't live very long. But he's buried in that ghost cemetery. So there's that connection that uh, the horn uh, and, the, and the ghost.